From creation to the flood to the patriarchs to Egypt, join me, Pastor Hook, as we go through Genesis, the backstory to the beginning. Pontificating, um, we are in the book of Genesis. And um, one of the things that I've, I've hoped that, sh- that you're tracking as we go through Genesis is what is Abram doing? How is his faith growing? Uh, it says, Paul says that Abraham believed and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. Um, so the faith of Abraham is a pretty big deal in the New Testament. Uh, it's a pretty big deal in the Old Testament also. Um, and so as we go through this book, I would like you to just consider, is Abraham's faith on the rise? Is Abraham's faith plummeting? Um, because as we go through life, our faith will go on the rise, our faith will plummet. Uh, and so, and as I've said before, we are all Abraham. We're all sinful human beings. Uh, God has made a promise to us. Uh, sometimes we, we uh, dwell on that promise and are excited about it. Sometimes we forget about that promise and try to do things on our own. Uh, and whenever we do that, we, we run into problems. So, <coughs> excuse me. So, uh, as we as we go through this book of, of Genesis, then just just consider um, that we are all Abram, and uh, as we track his faith, it might inform us as to how we should look at our own faith. So the last time we left Abram um, was in. Sorry, I was looking for my glasses. I don't know what I did with them. <laughs> oh, they're <laughs> they're right here. <laughs> so. Uh, when we left uh, uh, Abram, he and his nephew Lot uh, were having a conflict between their, their herders, and Abram and Lot decided to part company. And so uh, Abram gave Lot the choice of which land he wanted to go. Uh, Lot took the, the land of the Jordan Valley, and then Abram took the land of Canaan. And so the two men parted countries, uh, company, Abram lived in the land of Canaan, while Lot lived among the cities of the plain and pitched his tent near Sodom. And now the people of Sodom were wicked and were sinning greatly against the Lord. Now, um, this is kind of where we left. It was on verse 13. Let's just continue on uh, to verse 14 and see where it takes us. The Lord said to Abram, after Lot had parted from him, Look around from where you are, to the north and to the south and to the west and to the east. All the land that you see I will give you and your offspring forever. I will make your offspring like the dust of the earth so that if anyone could count the dust, then your offspring could be counted. Go walk through the length and breadth of the land for I am giving it to you. So Abram went to live near the great trees of Mamre at at Hebron where he pitched his tent and then he built an altar to the Lord. So um, God points out to Abram, he says, uh, this is the direction you're going. I'm going to give you this whole land of Canaan. Look around from where you are. Look north, look south, look east, look west. All of this land will be yours forever, forever, Um, which is phenomenal because this is uh, 2020 and there are Hebrew people, uh, descendants of Abraham, who believe that this land was given to them forever. And so they're claiming that land, and they, um, they very much fight to keep that land because keeping land is always a battle. Uh, and, of course, other people 
would say, well, you don't have a claim to this land. Uh, you know, we have a claim to this land. And they're like, no, our land comes from God. He gave it to us 6,000 years ago. And we still believe this is our land, so we're going to fight to keep this land. So um, all the stuff that's going on in the Middle East is basically because of this promise of God to Abram, that this is your land. Uh, and so he says, look around, this is yours. Um, and then he says something interesting. He says, I will make your offspring like the dust of the earth. Um, so, you know, or grains of sand by the ocean or stars in the sky. Um, in other words, Abram, I'm going to give you plenty of offspring and, and they will be yours. There will be so many numerous offspring that you won't even be able to count them. It'd be like the dust of the earth. So if anyone could count the dust, then your offspring could be counted. And, of course, we know that uh, Abram eventually does have offspring, and they have children and children. Of course, uh, in uh, I guess you could compare this to the R-naught of the coronavirus, right? That the, the more offspring each, uh, each person has, then it grows exponentially, this tribe, this clan of Abraham. Uh, and then, of course, all Christianity is a descendant of Abraham also. So you have to add all those into Abraham, uh, and it is a very, very large number. And then what does, God, what does God tell him to do? He says, go walk through the land. Go walk from the left to the right, up, down, whatever. I'm giving it to you. So he's telling Abram that he's going to have offspring, so many offspring that he won't be able to count it. And he says, and then just walk. Walk around the land, look at it, and everything that you see is yours. Um, have you ever, uh, have you ever, uh, been given a piece of property? I suppose this is, um, probably not many people have, but, or have you ever purchased a piece of property? Maybe you purchased a, a new house, um, and, uh, you move into the house, but you know, you didn't see everything about the house when it was, when you purchased it, right? You, you haven't looked in every nook and cranny. And so you do, you spend, um, uh, you spend time just looking around the house to see what's there. I uh, have a, a sister-in-law that reaches, recently uh, moved. Uh, her wife is a, her husband is a pastor, and they moved to a new parish. And, um, and they, you know, they just moved into a house, and now they're exploring the house. And there, there's, a, uh, there's a basement, but then inside the basement is this door that leads to it's one of those tri-level houses, and so it leads to part of the basement um, is in the ground, but then the other part of the basement is underneath the house, and so you can open up this door, and you can see into this. I guess it's a crawl space underneath the house, and uh, you know, you look at that door, and it's like, do I really want to open that door? But I really want to because I want to see what's in there. You know, is it there monsters in there? Is there uh, gold in there? Is there uh, electrical wiring in there? I need to tell everybody to stay out of there. Is it uh, you know? Is it a, big enough to crawl into or is it way too, I mean, all that kind of stuff. So that's what you do whenever you get a, you know, a new dwelling, you want to explore it. And that's what God tells Abraham. He says, go and walk through the land, the breadth of it, and explore it. Every single thing here is yours. Every tree is yours. Every pond is yours. Every grass, blade of grass is yours. All this stuff um, is yours to, uh, to manage, to care for, to keep, to, you know, to help you uh, in this promise that I've given you, which is that you will be a blessing. I will bless you so that you may be a blessing to the world around you. And I'm giving you this land and I'm giving you descendants and they're all yours. And um, it is a tremendous gift that God is giving Abram. Um, and so uh, what do you think Abram's response was? Well, it's it, he went to live near the great trees of Mamre and Hebron, 
where he pitched his tent, and then what does he do? He built an altar to the Lord. So when things are going well, when God infuses himself into your life and does great things or makes great promises uh, and connects with your soul, um, when life is going well, then uh, the natural response, at least the response of Abram, was to build an altar to the Lord. And, uh, and so he does because um, remembering what God has done in your life is a great way to live your life, to, uh, to look at what the blessings that God has given you is a great way to live your life. If you've um, ever seen psychologists and magazines and things like that, they say one of the greatest ways to maintain a positive attitude is how they call it, um, but um, you know, just, just to live the way we are created. That God, God wants us to be grateful for all the things that he's given us. Um, then at the end of the day, uh, just spend some time and reflect on some of the blessings of, of the day. And um, if you can reflect on three blessings of God at the end of every day, you will lead a life full of joy and generosity and gratefulness. Um, and uh, it kind of rewires your brain to focus on the positive things of life. But if you get to the end of the day and you're upset and you're angry and things didn't go well and... All you're looking at is the negative stuff of life. Uh, I think what happens is you end up descending into this pit of, uh, of anger and animosity and um, resentment uh, for all the things that are happening in your life. I mean, you could get to the end of every day over the last three months and be angry uh, at God, being angry uh, that he you know, allowed this coronavirus to, to come into our world. You might be angry at the... Uh, the medical professionals, that they don't seem to have uh, a cure yet or a treatment and they don't understand it. And you think, what are they doing? You know, why aren't they, you know, why aren't they fixing this problem? And now we know, I mean, we have to know that there are, there are, I mean, when you find the cure to this, what they say, one treatment of this one drug was going to cost $3,120. When you find the cure to this, you are wealthy beyond belief, right? Um, and so you have to know that there are companies out there that are well-funded that are doing everything they possibly can to get to a cure as fast as possible so that they can, you know, monetize that cure uh, as much as possible. I mean, obviously they want to help mankind too, but uh, they also want to get to a, to a cure. Um, I find that this is a tangent. Again, I'm sorry, but... Uh, when they came out with the polio vi virus uh, vaccine, was that Salk that did that? Um, you know, he gave it away freely. He he said, "This is what this is how you treat polio, and this is the cure." And then people went and took that. It was in the public domain, and so uh, nobody profited off of it except for maybe just those that you know sold it for the cost of making the drug or whatever. But there was no patent cost embedded in that in that cure, that treatment. He just gave it freely away. And I think that was probably one of the last times that anybody has ever just given away a treatment or a cure, right? Now uh, we spend thousands and uh, I should say millions, maybe even billions of dollars looking for treatments and cures for all sorts of diseases, even diseases we didn't know we had. Uh, and then that, that money has to be recouped from all that, from all that research and development. I mean, we have really... In the United States, we've figured out pretty pretty well 
how to find the disease, uh, how to come up with a treatment for the disease, and then how to make money off of that disease. Um, and our whole medical system in the United States today is based upon that, right? So you have to know. So that's the tangent. So you, the, the, but the point is you have to know that there's people working on this disease and trying to find a treatment or a cure or a vaccine or whatever just as fast as they possibly can so they can get to that money. And um, so it, it's not like they're just sitting around doing nothing. And, and so if you get to the end of the day and you're angry that, that nothing's there, uh, you know, who are you getting angry with? If, and I'm, I'm not saying you are because you probably aren't. You're probably one of the people that gets to the end of the day and just rejoices that God got you to the end of the day. But you have to know people in your life or people that you're aware of especially if you're on uh, some of the social media platforms, right? Um, you have people posting all the time just angry, anger at um, Fauci or BRICS or, you know, the, the current CDC or um, the World Health Organization or, uh, you know, governments around the world. Maybe it's Ducey or Trump or, you know, whoever it is that's, that's directing our lives uh, you know, and trying to come up with the best solution possible to keep as many people safe and yet keep the economy running. And that, those, are, those are tough decisions. And uh, there is no right, perfect decision. It's not like we've got a playbook that shows us how to get through this thing. Um, and even if there is a playbook, every pandemic is different because it happens at a different age and at a different time. Um, and so uh, people are trying to figure out how to, how to manage you know, this and trying to do the best they can. But because it impacts us personally, we just get so angry at people, or some people can get angry, right? You get to the end of the day and you're just blaming everybody. Um, or you can get to the end of the day and say, God, I, I made it to the end of the day today. And uh, here's three three blessings that I saw today. I, you know, and, and in the middle of a pandemic, it might be hard to find a blessing for sure. But um, But they're there. There are tremendous blessings that are occurring around the world still, even today, because, uh, because God still is in charge. He still loves this world. His blessings are, are just pouring out into this world. And truly, um, it, it is a good thing to get to the end of the day and just count your blessings. Counting your blessings is the best way to get through life. And just spending, this is what I love to do, right, is to spend time with God and just reflect upon his grace and his love and the blessings that he's given me in my life. Um, and to just, to just spend that time with the creator of the universe for me is just, um, uh, it's a great way to refocus my life uh, and really focus on the things that are important. Because the important things are putting God first and his blessing first. And Abram obviously does that because he gets to the great tree of Mamre at Hebron and he builds an altar to the Lord. He focuses his attention on uh, the blessings that God has given and so he builds an altar to God. So I think every time you see Abram build an altar, he's in a happy place. And he's in a happy place here because now the conflict is resolved between him and Lot. He doesn't have to worry about Lot ever again, right? Um, now he can focus on this land that God's given him. He's got his tribe. He's got his people. He's got his possessions. He's got his land. He's got money. I mean, everything is going well for Abram, and so he builds an altar to the Lord. But as we see in life, it never stays that way. <laughs> it, um, the, the moments that we have—who was I telling this to yesterday? Um, 
that anytime you have, uh, uh, anytime you compose and reflect on the blessings of God, or anytime you're with family, or anytime uh, that there's a moment of joy in your life, hold on to it, because it is fleeting. Life is painful. Uh, there is still sin in this world, and so it creeps in all the time. The impact of sin in this world creeps in all the time. And so those moments of joy, those moments of happiness, those moments of wanting to build an altar to the Lord are very fleeting. So enjoy them when you can. Um, I think that's why people miss church so much. It's not so much that they can't watch it on TV, because of course you can, but just gathering with other people and spending all of our time as a focused concentration on the blessings of God, on God and his word, it kind of brings us out of the world and into the presence of God, and it forces us really to, um, to, to put all of our attention and our focus on a God who loves us and cares for us and, um, and the blessings that he has in our life to listen to his word, to get that connection with God. Um, but you don't have to necessarily wait for Sunday morning to do that. You could uh, take a walk in your neighborhood uh, and spend time with God reflecting. You could sit down in the morning or in the afternoon or the evening and have a cup of coffee uh, and read God's word and have him penetrate your life. I mean, these things, building an altar to the Lord um, does not require a whole lot of people gathering together to build an altar. We could each build our own altar to the Lord daily in our life and focus on God and the blessings that he's given us. So, um, and I, I believe that the, the, as you grow in your faith, as your root system gets bigger, um, these are the things that you do. You, you can't wait from Sunday to Sunday just to spend one hour a day with God, right? As your faith grows, uh, it's like how many hours can I carve out of each day to spend time with God because he truly is the important thing in this world. And when I spend time with him, my life is filled with joy and I can count the blessings and I love it. Um, you could build an altar all day. Uh, had a uh, One of my professors in uh, at Arizona State University, yes, I know, Arizona State, um, was, uh, was a Muslim. And of course, they have a prayer rug and they pull out the prayer rug several times a day and they face Mecca and they pray. And they, they refocus their life daily. And I remember uh, going to his office once because I, had, I wanted to ask him a question. There's a little window in the door. And he was on his rug praying. It was quite shocking. Um, I didn't knock. <laughs> and um, and uh, that, that stuck with me because I think, um, you know, the monks used to do that. The monks would pray seven times a day. They'd pray the hours of the day and all that sort of thing. But somehow we as... In the busyness of our life as Christians, we don't refocus our day enough, I think. I certainly don't. Um, and, um, you know, I think putting hours of the day to just spend two minutes or five minutes, you know, reflecting on God's goodness and his grace would be phenomenal. And, and the more you grow in your faith, you don't necessarily need to wait from Sunday to Sunday. So, um, that's enough on that verse because I've gone way too long. Now we're going to go to verse 19. So because the, the, the trouble begins again. So now we have verse 1, uh, Genesis 14, verse 1. At the time when Amraphel was king of Shinar, Ariok, king of Elisar, 
Kedor Laomar, king of Elam, and Tidal, king of Goyim, these kings went to war against Bera, king of Sodom, Bersha, king of Gomorrah, Shanab, king of Adma, Shemeber, king of Zeboyim, and the king of Bela, that is Zoar. <laughs> so, <laughs> probably didn't say all this correctly, but but for whatever reason, of course, man has to go to war against each other. So here Lot, is he decided he's going to go in the land of Sodom, right? But now he just mentioned all these kings, and they all decided to go to war against each other, right? They just couldn't leave well enough alone. So you have all these. You have one, uh, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Uh, ten kings decide to go to war against each other. I mean, it's just like, you know, one or two people going to get into war against each other. You know, that's that's that. But they all decided to go to war against each other. They woke up on the wrong side of the bed that day, and they decided to go into war together. And all these latter kings joined forces in the Valley of the Siddim, that is the Dead Sea Valley. And for 12 years, they had been subject to Kedor, Kedor Laomer, but in the 13th year, they rebelled. And in the 14th year, Kedor Laomer and the kings allied with him. And they went out and they defeated. Oh, I should. Uh, in the 14th year, they went out with him and they defeated the Rephaites in Ashtoreth and Karnaim and the Zuzites in Ham, the Emites in Shiva, Kiriathium and the Horites of the hill country of Sear as far as El Paran near the desert. So they decided to go to war against each other. After 13 years, in the 14th year, they, they built allies, and this is how they would do it, right? Some would be allied with others, and they finally get it to the point where maybe it's just two warring factions, and you have the allied forces and the non-allied forces, and this is what we've seen play out throughout all of history where they just decide, you know, it's if for whatever reason, it's time for war, and they all kind of choose up sides, and they go to war against each other. And so they do that. Um, so we continue verse 7. Then they turned back and went to En-Mishpat, that is Kadesh, and they conquered the whole territory of the Amalekites, as well as the Amorites, who were living in Hezazan Tamar. Then the king of Sodom, the king of Gomorrah, the king of Adma, the king of Zeboim, and the king of Bela, that is Zoar, marched out and drew up their battle lines in the valley of the Siddim against Kedor Laomar, king of Elam, Tidal, king of Goim, Amraphel, king of Shinar, and Ariak, king of Elisar. Four kings against five. So now we have it. It's four against five kings. Four areas against five kings. Uh, let's go on. And the now, verse 10, now the valley of Siddim was full of tar pits. And when the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah fled, some of the men fell into these tar pits, and the rest fled to the hills. The four kings seized all the goods of Sodom and Gomorrah and all their food. Then they went away. And here's, here's what happens as far as our story goes in verse 12. They also carried off Abram's nephew, Lot and his positions, possessions since he was living in Sodom. So um, here you have it. Uh, they part ways. Uh, Lot goes into the area of Sodom, uh, which is in the Jordan Valley. Uh, Abram goes off uh, into Canaan land. He thinks he's happy, things are going well, but then 
uh, his nephew, who is living in Sodom, gets caught in this battle of four kings against five. And now the nephew, he didn't fall in a tar pit. He didn't escape into the hills. He was actually captured by these kings and carried away. And, um, of course, the question you have to ask yourself is, what is, is, is Abram going to find out about this? We find out that he does. And then the question is, what is he going to do? I mean, is he going to get involved in this conflict? Or is he just going to say, well, that was nice. Um, there, there's a reason why Abram, uh, I think, uh, has this attachment to Lot. Remember, Abram has no children at this point. And if you have no children, uh, and you've known people like this for whatever reason don't have children, who do they get connected to? They get connected to their nephews and their nieces, right? Well, Lot is Abram's nephew. Uh, he's the closest thing that he has to a descendant or family or somebody that can love. Um, so I do find it strange that they parted ways. So something must have happened there. Um, but it doesn't mean that Abram doesn't love Lot or cares for Lot uh, or maybe feels like Lot is like a surrogate son. Um, so, um, so this is this is Lot's Lot. <laughs> this is what happens to him. He he parts with Abram, and now he gets captured by these kings, and he's taken away. And um, it is unfortunate. That's what happens in life sometimes. So we get captured into the wars and the battles of the world, uh, and they carry us away. And um, this is not a happy time for Abram. It certainly won't be a happy time for Abram. And it's certainly not a happy time for Lot either. Well, it's not a happy time for anyway. Right? War is hell. If you, anybody tells you that it isn't, uh, don't believe them. Uh, anytime we go into battle, it's, uh, it's a horrible thing. Um, and um, lots of people die. Lots of things get reorganized. The world falls apart. The center can't hold. So I guess uh, we'll probably leave, leave it there this morning. Um, because uh, what Abram does uh, or doesn't do is kind of what happens next. And so think about it. What do you think Abram is going to do next when he finds out about Lot? Um, so I'll leave you on that note. Um, thanks for joining me today. And uh, let's go ahead and close in prayer. Uh, gracious God, um, in the moments of joy in our life, help us to reflect upon you and your grace. And Lord, in the moments where... Um, the impact of sin just destroys the world around us. Help us to find those moments of joy that you continue to provide in the midst of everything. Uh, thank you for this time together where we've been able to reflect upon you and your love and your grace and the story of Abram and Lot. Uh, until we meet again tomorrow, Lord, keep us in your grace. In Jesus' name.